Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Experience in Jesus. So with that in mind, let's look at his letter. Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23. Keep in mind, he is in prison as he is writing this. And his, his heart is filled with gratitude towards the Lord and affection for the people that he's writing to. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, and revelation, and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, talking about Jesus, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. And so the Apostle Paul, he's, he's praying for the Ephesians. He's writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to them so that they would be encouraged. And one of the primary things he's thanking God for is their salvation. And his prayer primarily is that they would know the realities that they have in Jesus. So we're going to walk through this passage this morning and jump into that. So first point is this. We must regularly thank God for his work in others. We must regularly thank God for his work in others. If we appreciate the magnitude of what salvation is, then that will cause us to be really thankful for our own personal salvation and really thankful for God's work in and among others who put their, their faith in Christ. Look at verses 15 and 16 again. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith, your trust in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints, all the believers, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Now keep in mind, I, I, I said at the beginning, the Apostle Paul, he's writing this from prison. Think about all the things he could be thinking about right now as he's, as he's writing this letter. He could be thinking of, wow, Lord, where'd you go? I'm, I'm back in prison again. He could be thinking about the, the different Christians throughout Asia that have deserted him and left him. He could, he could be thinking about all the hardships. He could be thinking about all the pains that he has um, experienced for faith in Jesus. He could be thinking about when he, he takes his shirt off. He could be 
seeing a reflection of all the scars on his back because of the beatings he received for Jesus. He could be thinking like, it's over. I'm just going to throw in the towel. Lord, just take me now. Instead, his mind, his heart, his affections are drawn towards others, particularly those who have put their trust in Jesus. And it's a good lesson for us because as pressure in life happens, we can, we can lose sight of the Lord. We can lose sight of his work among us. We can lose sight of praying and thanking the Lord for his work in others. Not only did he have these personal pressures, but many of the, the Jewish leaders were against him. Many of the Roman authority was against him at times. So he had many enemies. It says in the book of Corinthians about Paul in Ephesus, it says that a wide open door for the Lord was open towards him. There was good work to be done. But then it says there were many adversaries. So he had open, wide opportunities to preach the gospel, and he had many adversaries. But in the middle of that, he is very mindful of where he sees God at work. And he gives us two primary evidences to know if Jesus is at work in somebody's life. And they're found in verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Let's look at them separately. First of all, he thanks the Lord. I've heard of your faith. You're turning from your sins and trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. That is the greatest miracle that a human can experience when we go from spiritual death to spiritual life. It is no small thing when someone puts their trust in Jesus Christ. And so his, his affections are, are maxed out in thanking the Lord for yet more salvations. Next week, Dave is going to get into Ephesians 2, and we're going to see how, how desperately lost we are by nature and how we need God to intervene and make us alive. And so Paul believed that and understood that, and that's why it was so miraculous when people came to trust in Jesus. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, um, No one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. No one can say, what he means by that is no one can trust in Jesus, fully God, fully man, fully believing that he died on the cross for our sins, submitting to him as Lord and King. No one can do that unless God is at work. And so if you know of people who have placed their faith in Jesus, it is a cause for thanks and praise. So that's the first thing he sees as an evidence to thank the Lord for his work. The second is love. Look at verse 15 again. For this reason, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love, your affection, your relentless commitment to the people of God. So whenever you hear of someone who has placed their faith in Jesus and has love for others, it's a cause of celebration. I mean, in the Gospels it says that the angels rejoice when someone turns to the Lord. 
And if you are even kind of paying attention in our area right now, in Indiana County, Western PA, the Lord is doing many, many, many good things where people are coming to saving faith in Jesus. We want to thank the Lord for that. Paul said this in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified or declared righteous, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We don't want to take for granted this miracle of miracles that is happening all around us. It's happening in this church. It's happening in this county. And so we want to be doing what Paul is doing. We want to first thank the Lord for where we see his work in our own lives, if we know Jesus, in our family members' lives, in our friends' lives, but also in, in the, the different churches and ministries in our area. If you're newer to the church, we are very pro what the Lord is doing among his people and all its different expressions in Indiana County. So we don't think we have the corner on the market of anything. We just want to be part of the body of Christ. So we have a small part to play, and we're part of a much larger body of Christ, even in this county. This week I'm going to be going to a, a pastor's meeting with uh, a bunch of local pastors where we're just trying to get to know each other and and, and learn to pray for one another, encourage one another, and celebrate where God is at work in the different congregations. This morning, as, as um, many of you students have walked in, and, and leaders have walked in, I know we have people from, from FCA here, we have people um, from Crew here, we have people from Young Life here, I think we have people from Rough here, and we may have people from CCO, all campus ministries at IUP that love Jesus that proclaim Jesus, that are seeking to disciple students to follow Jesus. We want to celebrate that. We want to pray for each of those students. Our church history is that many of us were once those students that other Christians, older Christians, were praying for. And so it's, it's something we want to continue. If you've ever noticed, when you walk out of church, there's a missions board out out in the lobby. It's different missionaries that we support as a church. I would encourage you to, to sign up for newsletters and read the newsletters when they're, when they're sent out and pray and celebrate what God is doing all around the world. We want to celebrate where we see God at work. A helpful website to check out is something called Joshua Project. It's a, it's a website that that really um, shows you all the unreached people groups in the world. And, and they would define unreached people groups as if the population um, of the entire people group, less than 2%, know the Lord. So those who are unreached with the gospel, yet there's a, there's a, um, a Christian presence that's emerging. There's missionaries committed, and they have all these different ways you can pray. would encourage you to have a broad view of where God is at work. See, what happens if you, if you, all you do is occasionally open this book and instead are just on your phone or TV or computer just reading news feeds all the time. 
you may conclude that God is not at work at all. Like one disaster after another, one pressure after another, one um, wicked world leader taking over yet again. And, and we can lose sight. No, through all that, God is building his kingdom. He is gathering a people for himself. And so it's not an afterthought when Paul says, I thank God for your faith in Jesus and your love for one another. One of the things I'm doing right now is I, I'm slowly working on a master's degree and I'm taking a missions class. And, and one of the cool things about the homework, you have to do real homework where you're reading and writing papers and, and that kind of thing. But one of the, the fun parts of our homework is every week we are assigned a new unreached people group to pray for. And so part of the class is just trying to have every student be more mindful of where God is at work, where people have sacrificed, and the gospel maybe is not widespread yet. And so this week, starting tomorrow, um, I looked it up this morning, our assignment is the Ansari people of Bangladesh, so it's A-N-S-A-R-I, and they actually have a 0% unreached people group percentage. So that doesn't mean there's no Christians, but it's such a small fraction of Christians among a very dominant Muslim population that we want to pray for anyone among them that knows Jesus, that is risking their life, reputation, family, to share the gospel. See, that's how the Apostle Paul lived. He didn't just pray these things when he was in prison. As soon as he would get out, he, he would just jump right back into the fray. Tell people about Jesus, Lord and King, salvation in him alone. And we want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to have a heart to celebrate where God is at work. In, in places that we may never get to, people we may never meet, but we get to pray and support and help in any way we can. So the Apostle Paul's heart is filled, but then he transitions and he wants them to know. He wants the Ephesians to know. He wants us to know what it really means to be in Jesus, how incredible the reality is if you put your faith in Jesus alone for salvation. Which brings us to the second point. We must pray that our hearts would comprehend what we have received. We must pray that our hearts, our minds, our affections would really get around what we really have in Jesus. Look at verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is it, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand 
in the heavenly places. See, the Apostle Paul, he's celebrating God's work, and then he wants the people to know what they really have received in Christ. This is like the adventure of the Christian life. So Mary and I were sophomores at IUP when we met Jesus. And I remember I was so excited. My sins were forgiven. God's spirit was inside of me. I could hardly understand this book, but I was really excited. But I, I, didn't, I didn't know all the realities of what it meant to be in Christ. And so for the last 27 years, I've been learning and growing. And, and, and now I'm more amazed than I ever been because God's teaching us and showing us by spirit through his word. So when someone becomes a Christian, it's like being born into a family or raised into a family that, let's say, is very privileged, maybe financially privileged, intellectually privileged, socially privileged, just really privileged. But as a child, you don't know. You may know, you may notice like, okay, we have a hundred cars and they have one car. Um, our house is giant and their house is not. You might notice some of those things, but as you get older and you become more aware, you, you see more things and you learn more things and you see the benefits of these things that you did nothing to earn. You were just brought into the family. Well, spiritually speaking, that's what happens. You may have been doing all kinds of crazy things. You called out to Jesus, and all of a sudden, you've inherited this spiritual wealth that you did nothing to earn or deserve. You don't even quite comprehend how great it is, and now you just get to look and grow and experience. Oh, wow. Oh, it's greater there than I thought. It oh, Jesus is way more powerful than I thought he was. Wow, he's way more patient. He's way more merciful. He's lavish, as we heard this morning. He's just emptying his pockets of grace towards his people over and over and over again. See, the Apostle Paul, he's praying for the Ephesians. He's praying for us. We could pray this for ourselves, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. In other words, we may know the hope to which he has called us. We may, we, we may without a doubt, know we are heaven-bound. Eternity awaits us. Heaven awaits us because of what Jesus has done. It, you can be 100% sure if you are in Christ, you're going to be welcomed into God's presence with, when you die. 100% sure. It's a certain and fixed hope. And the Apostle Paul wants us to get that, to live in that, to really, really rest in that. He wants us to rest in the riches of God's glorious inheritance. We have this beautiful, wonderful, unimaginable, glorious inheritance that Jesus purchased for us, that we receive purely as a gift from God himself. He wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe. Immeasurable. It means you can't measure it. It's, it's so great that you can't measure it. You can't quantify it because it's that incredible. That's what you experience if you 
have trusted in Jesus. This incredible power. With that power comes salvation. With that power comes the freedom to not give in to sinful impulses and desires. With that power comes the desires and the abilities to use your gifts and your abilities that God has given you for good. To strengthen his people, to help people get to know him better. He wants our hearts to be enlightened according to the working of his great might. That we would know his power. Verse 20 tells us that that great might is what raised Jesus from the grave. I love this Matthew Henry quote. He's a Puritan who who wrote this centuries ago about this passage. He said, God has laid up spiritual blessings for us in his son, the Lord Jesus, but he requires us to draw them out and fetch them in by prayer. He's laid up spiritual blessings for us, but he requires us to draw them out and fetch them in by prayer. For the last 27 years, I've been trying to draw them in and fetch them out by prayer, by study, by spending time with God in His Word. That's what we need to do. When you read the Bible, there are certainly parts that we need to obey and live differently if our life is out of step. But part of it is just knowing how awesome He is, how amazing He is, how much He loves you, how much He is for you. How much he promises to keep you. How he's quick to hear your prayers. How he's quick to draw near to you when your heart is broken, when things are difficult. It's all in here. And and part of the adventure of the Christian life is, okay, Lord, I'm going to fetch this, what feels like a a bucket with holes in it. I'm going to draw it down into the well. I'm going to pull it back up. I'm just going to keep on doing it because you tell me to. And then... I'm slowly going to grow. I'm slowly going to see more. I'm going to experience more of your grace. Many years ago, I was at a school where each week a new new, uh, teacher would come in. And one particular week was very memorable for me. It was taught by a pastor from Kenosha, Wisconsin named Mike Bullmore, who's still to this day a faithful preacher and teacher of God's word. And he spent a lot of time just talking about this verse in Isaiah 12, 3. And I believe, if I remember correctly, his dad taught him this this passage um, when he was young. And it says this, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. He went on to expound that this salvation that we have received is like a deep well that we keep we keep lowering the bucket and getting joy out of it as we just come to get our minds and hearts around oh it's so much more incredible than we thought it was it's the yes we are saved from the wrath of God in Jesus yes we are being saved we're being conformed into his image but yes one day we will be saved there will be no more struggle there will be no more Walking by faith, we will see the risen Savior with our own eyes. We will be safe and secure like a ship in a harbor after months and months 
of being at sea and tossed around and fighting through the storms and all the difficulties that would come with that, we will make it. With joy you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. Another way to think of your salvation, imagine you, you bought a large property and it has treasures all throughout it. You, you, you don't find it out until you, you, you actually make the transaction. And maybe for the analogy, the property is given to you. And when it's given to you, you, you get the deed. And then someone tells you, hey, there are treasures everywhere on this property. And your job for the rest of your life is to dig and look and search. And one by one, you're just going to find all these incredible things. That's what our relationship with the Lord is like. It's this great treasure trove that we get to enjoy and pursue and dig around and learn and be amazed. So one way to apply this passage is pray this for yourself. Lord, would you help me to know the hope to which Jesus has called me? Lord, would you help me to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of your power according to the work of your great might? Lord, would you show me? Pray that for yourself. Pray that for your family. Pray that for your friends. Pray that for your church family. Pray that for every Christian organization. Pray that for every campus ministry that I mentioned earlier. Pray that God would do that over and over again. I would encourage you, if you're able, if you're on social media, follow all the different campus groups. Because what you'll see if you follow them, like FCA meets on Thursday nights. I love looking at Instagram on Friday mornings and seeing all the students, all the student athletes who are there worshiping the Lord. I believe there was like 60 or 70 this past week. Pray that for them. It doesn't matter if you don't know them. We're part of God's family, God's kingdom. We want to have a kingdom mentality and a kingdom heart. Pray that for local churches that you know are preaching the gospel. We have many local churches here that love Jesus that believe in the Bible, that are taking a stand for truth, and that people are coming to know the Lord. Pray for those people. Pray for missionaries that are sacrificing all throughout the world. See, ask the Lord, Lord, give us the Apostle Paul's heart, where he, he just seemed to have this ability to carry large amounts of people in his mind and heart. And you know what that does? If your mind and heart are so filled with these kind of things where God is at work, there's just not much time for ourselves, for self-pity, for thinking about woe is me. We, we have this, this vision of where God is at work all around us, and we're committed to playing a part in helping that cause. The more we comprehend what we have in Christ, the more confidence we will have in Jesus. Which brings us to the final point. We must rest, trust, and hope in the exalted Christ. We must rest, trust, and hope in the exalted Christ. The tail end of verse 19 says, According to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places far above all rule 
and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. All in all. We hope, if you are a believer in Jesus, we hope in a risen, exalted king. He is present day, Jesus sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He's exalted above all powers, all earthly rulers. He will one day return as the triumphant king. That's who we pray to. That's who we worship. That's who we seek. You do not need to fear China, North Korea, Russia, or whoever else you see in the news that tempts you. We follow a king that is so far above any, any evil communist leader that has ill intent. Jesus is the king. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is all-wise. Jesus is not thrown off by anything that is happening in the world right now. Jesus is building his kingdom. He's building his people. He's drawing men and women, boys and girls, people of all ages, to himself. He's the exalted, risen king. Study church history. What ruler has risen from the dead? What great leader has gone into the grave and come back out? Only one. Only one. And that's the one we follow. That's the one we trust in. That's the one who's coming back. So you need not fear what is happening around us. Jesus is the exalted, risen king. He's above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. He's the one, everything's placed under his feet. It's not like, it's like there's these rulers throughout history and then there's Jesus a, a step above. No, he's, he's so far above. God is sovereign and powerful. If he wants to bring an end to something, he brings an end to it. If he wants to raise up something, he raises it up. He's the king. He's the king, and he's good. He's not a king to be feared in that way. He's a king to be trusted. Now, if you don't know him, if you reject him, he's a king to be feared. But he's such a kind king gracious king, a loving king, if you haven't trusted him, if you asked him for mercy and forgiveness, he will grant it to you. This room is filled with many who have done this. And this king, Jesus, he's the head of the church. He's the head. We're going to see this more in Ephesians. The body of Christ is the body of Christ. The people of God is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. What a glorious, perfect head who cares for his messy body. And he takes care of us. And he brings us back together. And he forgives us and cleans us up and helps us to grow. But you, if you are in Jesus, you can rest. You can trust. You can hope in him. So, 
This week, spend time thinking about the fact that he is an exalted king. He is a trustworthy king. You need not fear. Confess your fears to him. I believe this with all my heart, and yet there are times where I fear, and I worry, and I think about things, and I meditate on the wrong things too much, and I, Lord, forgive me. You're the exalted king. You're the one who's at work in our little part of the world, in this little college town. You love rescuing people, and we get to be a part of that. So let's pray. If you wouldn't mind standing, let's have the band come up. Then we're going to worship Jesus with a final song. Holy Spirit, we ask even as we sing this final song, you would give us eyes to see your glory in greater ways. We would see and be amazed that you are the exalted king and fears and worries and all the things that press on us and distract us would would evaporate, would go away. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this county right now, what you're doing at IUP's campus. We pray that would only increase and grow. We pray you would be glorified in many, many ways. We pray for every student here who knows you, that you would use them to proclaim Jesus on campus. And we will give you all the praise. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.